What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Here on this Monday to recap our victory over the Purple Aces, a sweep of the Purple Aces, and some other things along with previewing our second matchup with the surging Bradley Braves. I'm Mick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch, as always. Noah, again, here we are, another win against a bottom team, 6-0 and now against it, but you know it seems like we're flip-flopping between them and the top teams. We would like to get off the schneid tomorrow night. Yeah, it's a it's a good opportunity tomorrow night to, uh, um, I would say our only opportunity to win against the top five team because um, Drake at the end of the season up there on the road, senior day for them. Um, I don't like our chances there, but uh, yeah, it's a it wasn't pretty. Or first half looked really good, but second half um, was hard to watch at most most points. But uh, I guess as they say, a win's a win at the end of the day. Right, exactly. That's how we got to look at it, I think. But uh, definitely, I remember tweeting that it was not our best effort. Definitely, yeah. Second half, definitely not. Especially from allowing uh, from the three-point range on something that we've been good at all season. But we will get into that. And you mentioned um, the fact that uh, Bradley is coming in here, Evansville, uh, taking care of them. That'd be nice. We'll get to that. Uh, we'll get some around the valley. There was a presser today as well, Javon Maman. He was... They talked to him for pregame the other day, and we'll get to some small topics before we get into the Braves. But, Noah, let's start out with somewhat of the breaking news that came out yesterday and that was discussed today amongst uh, him and the media. Dan Moeller is canned, finally, the hashtag CanDan. We know the accounts we've been seeing for years about him, knowing it was announced that their AD said that he is done and gave him the option if it was now or at the end of the season, Dan Moeller gone after the season. Yeah, it's uh, uh, like Harry Scherter most asked most of the guys today that uh, it was kind of shocking, especially the timing here. Um, I was kind of shocked by the by the timing. I thought they would um, finish out his contract, uh, um, especially the way, way things were going. Um, but uh, – yeah, all Illinois State fans. It was um, if you if everybody remembers the ending of Barry Henson's career, it was a lot of fans that want him gone and at at their at his throat and at the AD's throat every day. Um, I doubt they got on Twitter much if they got mentions because they were tweeted at constantly. And uh, yeah, it was just weird timing. Um, he did. Um, the AD did give him the option to finish the season or he could go now, but he left it up to the players and sounds like the players, uh, wanted him to stay. And, uh, for now he's going to continue coaching. So, um, this could, this could be what maybe this team needed a little spark here to get them going at the end of the season, going into Arch Madness. Yeah, they very well could be a dangerous team the rest of the way. We know we host them at some point in our final four games. Um, yeah. And I think the, you know, the overall, uh, whatever of Dan's always been, you know, we kind of thought that he's kind of uh, gave off a vibe about him that, you know, he's you know, not a laziness, but like in terms of, you know, getting in late to the pressers and how he acts. And, you know, just like I said, the vibe that he gives off, I think gives people a bad uh, rap on him. But the more we hear him talk and, and he even discussed uh, the adversity that they faced this season and they have, 100%. It did seem like the time was right. I think, you know, and we, we talked about it in the last one. They just brought in two brothers, two recruits. I'm not sure how that would uh, affect this, um, which it's all interesting. I think that 
with the adversity this season and people have been going back to the 17 and one Valley uh, season going off that, that there hasn't, you know, gone to plan for him, <clears throat> you know, landing Antonio Reeves, I think is one of the biggest things he's ever done in his however long career now, 10 years <clears throat> that it probably was time, but yeah, I, I agree. The, the timing with the, with the four games left kind of is weird. But it's cool because you never do see that they leave it up to the players, you know, that he gave them the option. Of course, I don't think the players are going to say, no, man, get the hell out of here. But um, the fact that he – that is cool. And, you know, like I said, over time hearing him talk, uh, you kind of felt bad for him this season. But, he, you know, it seems like at times he can become a decent coach. We know, obviously, he had the great talent. But working with what he has this year, some decent wins. We know they struggled. But they're a team, especially now, but even before that, the, the team really teams that didn't want to face in the tournament with their athleticism still. We know that firsthand. Yeah, they have a all-league player in Antonio Reeves that can go win win their win themselves a game by himself. And uh, they got other talent around him. And uh, if they can get going, if, uh, if they can get their streaky shooters going, uh, anything can happen, especially uh, – if they get com- real comfortable on a Thursday night game, we've seen it happen with Valpo. Uh, we've seen it happen a lot of times. Uh, if the team gets hot and they get comfortable in that gym on Thursday night and they get more confidence than anything can happen. Yeah, and whenever they were asking about or telling other coaches about what they thought of it, I forgot, I think it was uh, Ben Jacobson that said, you just feel for the, I think it was DeVries actually, you just, you feel for the families because he said that his whole staff's obviously not going to be there. You feel for the families of the people that are losing their jobs, especially, you know, knowing them having to finish out the season, knowing them in the back of their minds. Stinks, and he, yeah, he had two years left on his contract, they said, and he did get the chance to speak with his, with his staff, with his players. He said, quote, my message was simple, I'm sorry. That's it. It's not on the assistants or players in that locker room, uh, but on me. I'm sorry I couldn't do better for them. I love them and tried to talk with what's next. Uh, so, yeah, two years left on the deal, and they still pulled the trigger now with the five games left. Uh, like I said, weird timing, but it, it did seem like it was time, Noah. And, and let's get into some of the uh, candidates, potentially, that could fill in. And we'll just start out with the one that we thought, and you just saw an article of Jim Benson you know, talking about a couple that we think – you know, we know Brendan Mullins was on that staff before he joined Brian over here. We thought he could be a decent candidate because we've talked before about him taking a job maybe. And because he was already there, there's some uh, familiarity, but it doesn't look like that'll be the case. What are some of the options? Yeah, uh, yeah. Jim Benson put out an article, and the name that's thrown around the most and uh, everybody wants to see is Roger Powell Jr., um, uh, Illinois former Al- uh, Illinois standout. Um, we all know who he is. He's on his third year um, at Gonzaga. So uh, yeah, I thought he would join the staff this past year after Illinois had some assistance leave, but they did not choose that route. Um, but he was on there. Chester Frazier, who is now on the Illinois staff, came from Virginia Tech's on there. Um, then some other assistants from high, high major programs, even uh, – uh, he's at Iowa State now, but spent some time under Ben Jacobson's staff, A.J. Green's father, who's now at Iowa State. So uh, some decent names. This is a – I mean, I feel like this is a good job opening if they can get the right guy in there. Um, I've seen some names like Chris Mack, who just got – or parted ways with Louisville. I know um, he played at Evansville. I know a lot of Evansville fans want him back. Um, but I think that's way too unrealistic. Unreal- 
Um, Conzo Martin's probably going to be done at Missouri. Um, he was a decent mid-major coach, so that's an option there. But um, I think this will be a wanted job because if this program can get right, we've seen the talent can get there, but if they have the right coach, they can be pretty good. Yeah, and I think overall they have a pretty good uh, you know, university. I think it's pretty uh, you know, well-known in terms of success you know, as a whole, as a program. I think people would uh, like to do that. You mentioned Chris Mack, yeah, for Evansville. Uh, but then he said that he was uh, he's he's not he's done coaching maybe potentially. Yeah, he said uh, leaving leaving the ring or leaving the building told a reporter that this is his final stop before he got in the car. So um, I'd say he's done he's he's done enough things at Louisville that um, I mean I'm pretty sure I mean Evansville would take him I guess but um, being an alumni but other than that I don't think anybody else would hire him. No, and going back to Roger Powell Jr. has been one talked about, yes, for a while. He is a Gonzaga, former Illinois player, yes, that I think he could probably recruit pretty well. So I think it's someone that they want to bring in to keep recruiting and keep the uh, uh, the train moving because we mentioned the recruits they got coming in, but no, we know Antonio Reeves will have another year. We know that he could potentially leave for a bigger school, test the waters officially now that he's better even than he was last year. It'll be interesting because you ran through it the last time that uh, you know, the players that they could have coming back, and I think it'll have an impact potentially on a lot of those players. You know, obviously this tr- this transition we talked before earlier also about uh, the uh, the coaching changes that have happened the last couple of years. We know Brian's and around you know Walter McCarty's for Licklider, and obviously this past year with Shirts, that we're starting to see that more. But all those, all those other ones are pretty entrenched, I would say. Uh, real uh, last quote, Dan said, I love Illinois State, period. My biggest disappointment is that I didn't do a good job, good enough job to bring multiple championships and NCAA tournament berths for number four, number one, my players, number two for my staff, and number three for our fans. There's no question that's the biggest disappointment I have right there that I couldn't get that done. So, yeah, we wish Dan well. This was a, you know, a long time coming, as I said, but, yeah, we don't want to face him or teams wouldn't want to face him in the tournament. Who knows? And we know we get them at home uh, here coming up. So we wanted to start with that because that is a big deal. Before we jump in, there's some around the valley, more probabilities. You mentioned Javon's interview we'll get to as well. But, no, let's kick off with this game that we started out talking about. Not the not the best second half, no. And it seemed like, you know, even Blaze Bochamp will say his name now, that he was going to be a problem going into this with no Newton. And he very well was. But let's have this game kick off. Yeah, it started out uh... – if we start a game good, you know who gets us going, and that's J.D. Mula with some dunks and some layups. Um, that's how he got us going uh, right from the get-go. Um, he gets a layup to put us up 2 nothing, and we get a stop, and he gets – Lance gets a steal and finds J.D. with a, a monstrous junk, and just like that, it's 4 nothing. Yeah, and we talked about the starts that he has, but that looked like the best start possible with that uh, huge dunk that he had. You're right. Uh, but I mentioned the aforementioned Blaze Bochamp had a three to kick off their scoring. Lance matched him, and then he had a steal in between there as well before Evan Coleman, Noah, who broke out in this game. We knew there were Evansville fans sitting behind us that were talking about how good he was playing, and he was. We knew that he was going to be a problem. He's a perfect matchup for a Kyler just for size purposes, but we know Kyler isn't good at guarding the three-point line, and, and Coleman made the most of it, he had a three there, and then uh, Bochamp got going again. They took a lead of eight to seven, 
And then a Gibbons who didn't shoot that well on the free throw line. I don't think I think the people behind us said that he hasn't, you know, recently. But he made it nine to seven. Then Dalton had a, a nice layup, finishing out of the rim. Per usual, Blake Sisley got in this game. No, he missed a layup. But Evan Evansville fans been preaching that he needs to play a lot more. Yeah, him and uh, they want to play their like I said before on the pre on the pre show um, that they should play these younger guys because. Uh, um, Kuhlman hadn't been playing. He's been playing all right recently, but guys like Noah Frederick, um, who is a local kid, was bad in this game. Um, um, they need to play these younger guys over them. Yeah, and we, uh, we recall he was bad against us at their place about over two months ago. So, um, yeah, as soon as he did that, because we know Phillips, also a freshman, started in this game. Uh, but after Dalton's layup, uh, Kyler finished an and one and made the free throw, which is good to see. Then there was no score until the 12:42 mark. We had a, a 15 to nine lead after a Dalton three, which was good to see. Um, and Kyler another Kyler another dunk. No, he had he had almost back to back dunks. We we mentioned before we barely see him dunk, knowing that in high school he was breaking backboards and stuff. We've talked about it. It's good to see. No, he had a uh, he had a lot going on in the paint. He was a spark off the bench. Yeah, he's he's looking like uh, he's recently we talked about he's coming along. Um, he's breaking out of that slump he was in for most of the year. He's been up and down, um, like this whole team has. But um, his offense recently is really he's really getting going. Um, he led us in points in the first half. He um, is really him and a couple others, other than our two stars, the reasons we had this lead in the first half. Yeah, we love it. You're right. Kyler has gotten going offensively, which could be a problem for other people. We know the matchup tomorrow that him and uh, Mass give each other fits offensively at times, but we'll get to that. But, yeah, Steven, we talked again. He can do whatever he wants at times, and he did. He got into the paint, had a jumper, and then made a three in fast break, which if he gets in his groove, and he's missed open shots, but, you know, this one was pure, straight, wide-open shot. And then that's when Kyler had his next dunk, though, when we, when we had a 13-point lead at 8-15. Uh, then Coleman had another three. Uh, Beauchamp had a, or Beauchamp had a three. Uh, he was a tough guard all game, as we talked about. He was tough to stay in front of. We had, like, Trent on him, Lance on him at times. I think it was uh, – who started on – Dalton started. Dalton started on uh, – uh, Gibbons. Gibbons, and then yeah, Lance was on both. So – those were decent matchups, but they definitely got going a bit. Shamar had a layup, cut it to five. Dalton had a jumper, cut it back to seven. And then Blake Sisley finally got on the board. Still five, just back and forth. Marcus had a three at four-minute mark, which was good to see, which you know, we'll talk about it. Marcus did not look right in this game. He didn't shoot a whole lot. He had this three, but he hadn't been scoring until that point outside of the free throw line. Uh, he looked off a little bit, didn't he? Yeah, he's uh, these last couple games, his uh... – um, not quite his decision making, but like he's he's struggling. Um, I don't know if there's something there, but uh, he was one of five in the first half, um, one of three from the three. Only had three points, had three assists. Um, we know he can dish it out. I don't know if he's trying to make plays for other guys too much and not want to force the issue because um, he's been struggling shooting the ball and finishing around the rim. I don't know if that's the case, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on with him. He's just in a little slump right now, but we need him to break it out. Yeah, and we recall he's been good against Evansville in his career. I predicted about 20 or more points because he had, you know, really good matchups, but he wasn't taking advantage of some, of course. Um, 
but yeah, he did that. And Kyler, you, you said, definitely led us in points, and he did it. He had his own offensive rebound and finished on one. Uh, and then Gibbons had a, had a jumper, and then Cash, you know, at the buzzer, made a three at the top of the key to cut it to a 10-point lead at the half. So we're looking good, and obviously we, we let up a lot of threes to this point, and especially in the second half, too. Some layups in between. Uh, could have been a lot better, but we knew we had a 10-point lead. We were looking good. So what are the what's the box score? Yeah, very. we shot up very efficiently in the first half. Our offense was really good. Um, we were moving the ball, had 11 assists in the first half. Um, when we have a high assist number, um, that means we're winning games a lot of the time. 11 to 5 assist turnover ratio for the team. Um, had three steals. Um, but, yeah, like I said, efficient shooting. We shot 50, 54% um, from the field, 42 from three. Only shot one free throw, but uh, that didn't matter. Um, we got to the line. But like I said, it's it's our guys that, other than our two stars that carried us, uh, our two stars combined for six points. In the first half, um, three apiece, both had three assists and a steal. Um, so it wasn't like they weren't doing anything. The struggled shooting combined two of nine. Um, but Kyler Filowich, five of six, 11 points, five rebounds. I mean, 11 and five. I mean, um, Kyler's starting to look like his old self, and uh, he carried us. Good to see Steven. He got five shot attempts in the first half. Let's, I mean, if – if he shoots, it's a good chance it's going in. So um, I'm glad he was shooting the ball in the first half, even though he was one of three from three. But um, I don't want him being gun shy because he's one of the best shooters in this conference. So go ahead and shoot it. Yeah, him and Cashing to just shoot away at this point in the season, especially, I mean, whether it's created or if it's spot up, we'll have a stat on Cash on how he's shooting. But yeah, Steven, shoot as many, shoot a lot. Because yeah, you're right. He's shooting pretty efficient overall. He just doesn't put it up. Uh, but uh, as a team, they were negative 10 and plus minus. We were at 10 positive. Um, but Marcus did lead us with 14, one of five shooting. But yeah, he had three three assists and one steal and stuff. So he was doing pretty well when he was out there. Just wasn't looking to score. Um, the, the fact that Kylo doubles both his rebounds and points averages, almost triples his points averages, was a good sign. We mentioned the second half just wasn't really in our favor overall. But Pretty quality first half. You're right. I mean, shooting 42% from three is pretty good. Uh, compared to their 40, they they almost was wanting to just shoot nothing but threes, especially in the second half. Troy, minus four in his three minutes. Uh, Trent, 940. He was a plus 11, but we know he just comes in, plays defense, shoots when, when it's there. And, yeah, Lance could have got going a little bit more. He looked a little slower as well. And J.D. didn't do much outside of the first four points. So, I think it said quality, so let's jump in. Who stuck out for them, though, in the first half? I guess it was just Blaze. Obviously, yeah, Bochamp, he was the only one with a, in the positive and plus-minus for them with plus three. Um, but Kuhlman had eight, Gibbons had seven, and Bochamp all had eight. So uh, those three were the only one giving us fits, and uh, those three were basically the only three that ended up around, uh, I believe, 17 points for the game apiece around there. But uh, – yeah, the second half started like usual. Um, Bochamp missed a jumper, got a rebound. Dalton uh, missed a layup, but a rebound by Lance, a rare offensive rebound for us, and uh, Lance put it back in. Yeah, so we had the first 12 starting out pretty well. And then Shamar kind of got going a little bit. He cut it back to 10, uh, and then he made a three, had his own five-all run, and then Cash had a three, which was huge, pretty sure at the end of the shot clock. 
uh, ish, and then Coleman had a jumper. He he's he's just a quality shooter. We've known he always has been. The fact that he got going could have been dangerous for us. Um, and then Blaze kept getting going as well. Next thing you know, it was six points off of the jumper by him. Coleman made a couple free throws. He is a good free throw shooter as well. Um, but he had three free throws here. Um, <clears throat> and the next thing you know, we only up by one after Blaze had a layup uh, to make it 41-40. to 40. And then Kyler had a free throw miss the other one. So it was up by two. Steven made a three in the fast break again. Steven seems like he's best shooting the three. On the fast break, Marcus, like we said, didn't score a whole lot field goal-wise. Made a couple free throws, cut at the 7, 10-minute mark. Uh, Gage Bogue came in, Noah. He's the, uh, the the one with the ponytail. We were questioning it, said getting the girl off the floor. We've said that before, which is funny. He made it the corner three that cut at the 4. I think that's when we were kind of starting to sweat midway through. Uh, he was quality. He had some offensive boards. or He was, he was just – he was all over the place, Bogue was. Yeah, it was a uh... – not a good start to the that first ten minutes. Uh, like they say, usually we usually say the first five minutes of the second half tell you how this ball game's gonna go, and uh, it was just like a complete opposite of what we were doing the first half. Um, ball movement was not good in the second half to get us going, and uh, yeah, they were they were starting to heat up a little bit and they were getting going, and uh, guys like Bob, the key key guys, were just getting them going, keeping them going. Um, but those three main guys got him back in this ball game. Yeah, he's a he was a quality role player the other night. He he was all over the place because after he made the three, he fouled Lance on and one, and then he himself made a couple free throws. So we're up by five at the nine nineteen mark. Gibbons a jumper. Next thing you know, it's three. There's some steals in between there. Um, there was a bad uh, whatever. It just made me think of looking at the fouls here. Then Cash lost it at one point. There was a clear path foul. Yeah. Uh, which which stunk because we think Cash can hopefully outrun anybody and hopefully get a contest at the rim on the other end. We didn't like seeing that. It's a you know honestly a pathetic you know excuse of kind of trying to play defense. You just need to run back after your mistake. But after that happened, you know that was at one point in the game. But Troy made a layup here. Noah he every time he got it on the wing, he would use his left hand dribble and kind of use his power to the rim. We know that all the passes he shot up recently that. Um, I think he missed his first attempt or whatever, maybe passed it out, but he made this other one. Um, he did pretty well in that regard. We want to see more than that, taking advantage of smaller guys. Yeah, yeah, I believe it was Bob uh, on him. And, uh, it was an and one. Yeah, and one. Only got three minutes in the first half, but um, what time he got he uh, what time he got in the second half, he uh, sort of looked like what we had seen from Troy most of the year and not being shy, um, being aggressive and uh, – um, taking it to that mismatch. I mean, if he has a mismatch, um, I got the confidence in him. If he wants to take advantage of it, go ahead. Yeah, he's, he could be one of the strongest players on the team, for being honest. But, yeah, it's like all these guys taking advantage of, um, you know, all these opportunities, like, like we've been saying. But J.D. got to the free throw line. Um, he had They had the lane violation again. He made one, but he got to the line again, made one. So he's like two for four, I think, on the game. But Coleman matched him. Four-minute four mark, only up by three after Coleman's free throws. Givens made a couple free throws. Uh, so it's only a one-point game at the 3.30. Marcus matched them in free throws. Trent Brown shooting his first free throws of the season. They're nothing but cash, of course. Um, up five. Dalton free. It was a free throw fest for the most part. We shot really well from the line if we would just have this all year. And there were points, Noah, where Lance, they took Lance out of the game at, at spurts. 
Honestly, let's get to that. We saw the Lance and Marcus came out at times in this game, kind of near the start. I think it was for disciplinary for effort, but I, we Lance was in foul trouble a little bit. But uh, we noticed that Lance and Marcus both came out around the same time when they were playing without him. Maybe that was disciplinary a little bit. Yeah, like you said, I think Lance was in a little bit of foul trouble. But, uh, yeah, it's, and we got to find opportunities to get uh, Marcus some rest. But, uh, yeah, the, the effort wasn't good in that second half by – um, especially those two, and uh, felt like Marcus was being almost gun shy uh, to attack anyhow. So um, they put those guys in, and guys stepped up to help us until they got back up the floor to finish this game. Yeah, that's what we need is a hesitant Marcus to mass the rest of the way, especially against a team like this where anything can happen. They can shoot the lights out and get right back in it. So we honestly escaped one, but yeah, I mean. I mentioned Lance coming out because he came out at the end with the foul trouble and we got like almost all great free throw shooters in the game. So we didn't really miss any of them going back to the end of it. Uh, even Steven made a couple. Lance had a block at, at some point and then Lance had a layup to finish it out. Outside of Blaze getting to the rim for five, next thing you know, and then Cash had a layup to end it. Seven point victory, like we said, 6-0 and against the bottom team. Still 0-8 against the top. We'll get that chance tomorrow. Um What's the box score like, Noah? What are some takeaways from this game outside of, you know, improving your defense a little bit more? Yeah, you got to just get into it a little bit real quick. A controversial layup at the end for Cash. Uh, I don't know if it had anything to do with it, but Licklider sent his guys right to the locker room. Um, Not sure what's up with that. I don't know. I think you had already left, but uh, no handshakes after this ball game. Uh, Sent his guys right to the locker room. Um, but I mean, he's the one that called a timeout down five with three seconds left. So, um, I don't know exactly what happened there. I don't know if it's COVID restrictions. Maybe they have some guys that's not, um, unvaccinated or something, coaching staff. I don't know, but, um, thought it was a little weird. Yeah, I, I did see that before I left. Um, it, it was weird. I don't think it was because Licklider seems like he would be one of those that if he sees that happen, he would just not tell his team not to do it. You're right, though. Taking a timeout down five to three seconds left. And COVID is the first thing that came to mind. He did wave at our guys as he was walking out, so I'm not sure. Um, I wish Brian would have got asked about that or something. But um, That is what it is, but <clears throat> you're right, controversy in itself. We recall Eric McGill's dunk at Loyola and even what Ugog tried to do against us at their place. So you don't really like to see that at times, but it's all right. Um, yeah, 16 of 20 from the line. In this game, imagine how many more wins we would have if we would shoot like that 80% on the season. It, it's incredible, really. Shot 45 as a team. They shot 42. Um, defensive rebounds, we only had four more. We rebounded by eight on the game because we had six offensive boards, which was huge. Um, anything else that stick out? Uh, 27 bench points, so there's seven. Yeah. Our bench really carried us for this game. Uh, uh, Lance ended up with 10 after – Having so seven seven second half points for Lance, uh, Marcus only ended up with seven. Only scored four in the second half. Uh, he was all that was all from the line. So he was one of seven, still really struggling. Um, but Kyler Filowich, uh only had one point in the second half. Um, Twelve points for him, but six rebounds. Twelve and six. Um, he had. Let's see here. He played. Only seven minutes in the second half. I thought he deserved a little bit more after that first half. I thought he was getting going. So I thought he deserved a little more playing time. He only got one point and one rebound in the second half. But um, they were starting to hack a shack him or JD. So I think we went small and they didn't want to put Kyler out there or risk anything. 
Um, but JD knocked a couple down. But yeah, Kyler, big time. Dalton Banks, uh, his mom was there, 11 points, uh, four rebounds. Big time for Dalton Banks. He's starting to, he used mismatches. I believe he had Bo Champ or Bobe on him sometimes. He got to the rim a couple times. So big time for Dalton Banks. Then uh, Steven, he stepped up, had 10 points. I believe I seen on Insider. Uh, his dad was there from Belgium. So um, it's good to see Steven was able to play um, pretty good for his dad if he was actually there. So, uh, um, but 27 bench points, uh, that's big time for us, especially uh, when our two stars aren't going. Bingo, yeah. And the fact that I just wish Steven or, and Dalton and all these players, remember Cash and Loyola, would play like this all the time outside of having somebody in attendance to watch. Uh, but it is great. You know, obviously you want to play well when people are in attendance, um, which is great. But yeah, Kyler, I mean, you said he had seven minutes in the first half, so he had 10 minutes in the second and only had all of that. He had opportunities, maybe. We didn't go to him a whole lot more in the second half, but you're right. As soon as they saw J.D. getting fouled, and Kyler made his to an extent. Uh, but, yeah, you, you want to go smaller at that point because even the matchup with Coleman, he is a good free throw shooter, like we said. He matches that out a little bit. Yeah, seeing that 10 from him, Dalton kind of eased things at times in this game. Per usual, that's what, he's, that what, he, that's what he does usually in the fact that he – um, he's the only one that takes advantage, you know, proper mismatch, you know, chances in the paint on a guard. He's like the only one that will actually take take advantage of it. But yeah, Lance, six rebounds as well. Marcus, eight rebounds, four assists. In those 35 minutes, Dalton led us with 30, or second and 34. You know, we just saw a tweet that Mike had. Speaking of those Marcus minutes, players who've averaged the most minutes per game in their SIU careers, he is number one through 68 games. 34.9 minutes a game on a list with the likes of Troy Hudson, who was at 34.3 and 55. I know we've known this since the beginning about Marcus's minutes. Um, I don't know if this shooting one for seven and barely being a part of Evans, I don't know if that was a game plan thing in terms of like, we know who we're playing, let's try to get others involved. But I wouldn't say like they told him to not score because I don't think it was one of those deals. But he could definitely... Uh, Maybe it was just one of those easier nights. I'd like to see, even though it almost backfired at times with him not doing this. But through 68 games, that's Wayne Abrams, 109 games, 33.5. Um, like I said, not surprising um, at all. But seeing him number one, though, that that's a little surprising, maybe. Yeah, it's uh, it's we obviously knew he was probably up there. We know he's in the tops in the country in minutes played. Um, I believe he was like 18th at one point. But um, yeah, he's. He's uh his passing it's improved so much from his first two years even though only really only had one year uh, with the injury last year from his freshman year um, but yeah he's I don't know if he's trying to get guys involved like you said um, I wouldn't think that would happen I just feel like he's uh, he's definitely gun shy from the three he's open um, a lot but he's he I don't know what he's if he, I know he's down. I think it's like 6% from his freshman year. He's shooting from three this year. Um, but that's not a big, big, uh, big difference. But I think he's a little gun shy from three. He's trying to get others involved. I know that. But uh, yeah, I think he needs to pull the trigger, like we say about um, pretty much the whole team. He needs to start pulling the trigger um, because him and Lance need to get going down this stretch. Uh, we know we, we, get, we need the other guys to step up too. But um, if he doesn't, if he's going to continue to struggle and be gun shy, um, this team's not going anywhere. 
Knowing the fact that if they're, I think we could have a game plan in a game. It would be against Evansville to where you just get a lot more ball movement. I know we try that anyway. Brian's preached how good we move the ball at times, but like getting in transition more and getting it in Steven's sweet spot, like those threes can go a long way outside of wasting the whole shot clock and wasting time throughout a game, trying to get Marcus in the paint when you can get those shots for those other guys. You saw more drawn-up plays for shooters in this game, which, like I said, over time, I think you just got to move the ball more and have these games where you don't just everything run everything through Marcus. Because, no, obviously when he wasn't out there, he played 35 minutes, but, you know, we kind of got in the flow. We didn't really see Marcus in the post as much. He, he, they, he was in the post a lot and passed up a lot, but – um, just get more in the flow, trying to get in transition more for those opportunities for everybody else. Um, yeah, Bochamp 19, Coleman 18, Shamar given 17, accounted for all but eight of Evansville's points, which is crazy. They are, I'd say they're big three at this point outside of Newton. He has missed time, and Licklider definitely, he said today that they're obviously a better team with him, but it was nice having like Blaze uh, step up in that regard. But some quotes here, Noah. Um, Kyler said, we knew it was going to be a tough game. <clears throat> uh, they're a tricky team to play. It got a bit ugly here and there, but coming out with a win was huge for us to build momentum going forward. Um, Brian said, our goal is to try to play our best basketball here this month going to St. Louis, and I think we're trending that way. Um, we've got a big game here Tuesday night against Bradley. Um, and then he said, there's no easy games. There's no bad teams or bad programs. Evansville's had a ton of close games, and we know it was going to be a grinded-out game. We just had to win it possession by possession and made and uh, made some big plays at the end. No, it seemed like, obviously, with the state we're in, you don't really see trap games here and there. But knowing that we have the sixth seed, you know, we had a two-game lead or two, yeah, two-game lead at one point even before this. It seems like this could have been a trap game, and it looked like that at the end. But good thing we finished it out. Your final thoughts? Yeah, it, it, it could have been. I mean, if you lose this one, uh, um, we know we got to help. Um, we'll get to it here in a little bit. We know we got some help um, around the valley, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, we know we're not going to be a lot of flashy basketball. But um, I thought we could try to push the tempo a little bit more um, since they were they were tired. If you watch Givens towards the end of that game, that that kid was so tired. He played they played double overtime on Thursday night, and he was playing most of their minutes um, the other night. So. Um, I thought we could try to push it a little bit more. We know we like to, um, if we have opportunities to get out there, but, um, yeah, if we, it's like, uh, I think Brian said, uh, um, if we can put 40 minutes together of like that first half, uh, um, we're going to be in pretty good shape. Cause, uh, if you do that, we can probably beat anybody in this conference. Yeah. I'm thinking the fact that we, uh, we haven't had a game clearly this year where we played a good 40 minutes. That's been all year, which is kind of crazy. Most teams have, and we think of the Valpo game where we killed them and scored 77. That was maybe closest to it, and we know these games at the end would be nice, but definitely wasn't the case the other night. So, yeah, seven-point victory, sweeping, swept the uh, Purple Aces looking forward. So now, Noah, let's get around the valley, but quickly, the presser um, happened today, as we know. Dan addressed the media, as we said. Some other things, Noah, and we know Harry Schrader always got, has the good questions. Four coaches, I'm pretty sure he asked all of them about, um, or whether it was him or just an overall topic every time about um, NCAA bids and how vital it is, you know, to having a successful program. It was Brian Wardle that answer, answered something like that. They all did, but obviously, no, we know with the status of our program, academics is a big thing, but 
you know, building up and NCAA bids is what matters most. Cause uh, yeah, it is Wardle. That's it. That's what you're judged on most. Um, uh, unfortunately outside of that. So obviously that that's huge. And that is a big reason why Mueller got fired, but, um, Obviously, that, that seems to be the case, right? Outside of academics, NCAA bids is what you need. Yeah, it's a, it's you can see. I think Dana Ford he says he sees said he sees both sides of it, um, but I, I I agree with Brian Wardle. He said that's an unfortunate um, circumstances that, uh, according to his his staff and uh, the guys in front of him, his bosses that academics and uh, community work are very important to them, but. Um, the bottom line is if you don't make the NCAA tournament, um, that's, that's what happened with Barry Henson. We saw, um, his, his way out. He told them, he agreed with AD that, um, if he didn't win the tournament, if he didn't make the tournament that, uh, he would be done. And that's what happened to him. That's what's happened to Dan. Um, it's unfortunate, but, uh, yeah, it sucks. I think Harry put the question like the way that, um, it all comes down. It doesn't matter what you do in your 30 games in the in the in the whole season, but it just comes down to a weekend in March. Um, if you can win three games in March, then um, you'll be able to keep successful job, I guess. So yeah, it's unfortunate. I see both sides of it, but it's just unfortunate because there's a lot of uh, coaches that have good success that just can't get the job done in March. Yeah, and I think it matters what university you're at and obviously the expectations that can come with that. But we know every other coach around the Valley has had success. You know, Drew's been on the staff of Loyola to have the success. He'll be coached there for a long time. But obviously Jacobson, Wardle, um, and you know, obviously Dana just in his fourth or fifth year, DeVries, the same DeVries made it last year. And then you look at the other teams. So, yeah, it is um, it is what you're judged on. It is what it is. You're right. You can see both sides 100%. Um, they were asked about that. No one, as we know, we're the only team that has not played an overtime game this season. They asked about again, reiterating how close the games have been. Uh, they're asked DeVries cause he had like half three of his last six games have gone to overtime and stuff. So they've been dealing with a lot of close games in that regard, but it is weird. We know Creighton, we could have been in a lot of those close games. We could have been an OT game. So it's, it's nice having that, you know, I'm not going to say adversity, but the fact that you get those close games to give you battle tested for later on, I think someone mentioned that as well. So that was a topic amongst, and then Noah or Drew Valentine was asked about, again, about Lucas Williamson's career. This stuck out to me because we remember him as a freshman. He didn't play a whole lot. But then uh, Drew said it, it was a game against Wright State in his freshman year, and uh, he played he played defense. He couldn't foul or couldn't play defense without fouling, which that stuck out. We know the defense, defender that he is today, so he's made strides through these four or five years. That just stuck out to me. It was funny because we do remember him, but uh, he was on a great team then, just being a whatever, 11th fiddle at that time, it seemed like, or not not, not that much. But um, that stuck out to me. You know anything else stick out to you in the presser? Yeah, the, it was, I guess it also asked Drew Valentine. He was asked, some guy was writing an article about the Larry Bird player of the year, and he just asked if uh, if he thought the player of the year should come back come from the regular season champion. And Drew said, "Well, um, you see it in the NBA and the NFL. Not always the um, the league leader gets an MVP. It's always the best player. And uh, we both agree that it's not going to come from Loyola this year. That it's coming from Missouri State because um, Unless he just gets shut down the, the less of the season, Isaiah Mosley should get the play of the year. 
Yeah, we've talked about him kind of scuffling in terms of getting the amount of points that he had there for a stretch. But yeah, Drew didn't really know how to answer that. It was funny. But now, Noel, okay, we got through that. Let's get through uh, the recent scores and what's to come. Yeah, we have uh, this weekend was a good weekend of basketball in the Valley. Uh, Illinois State went on the road, uh, lost a lost a game to Indiana State, 60-57. Um, the Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Week, Cooper Neese, leads the way, 28 points. He's been on fire recently. Um, Xavier Bledson, who has a nickname, I forget what that, they talked about that. though. Um, I think he's a sixth man of the year, I think, it, I think but um, 11 points off the bench for them. Cam Henry uh, put eight, and uh, yeah, just a, that's a good win for, that's probably the 8-9 matchup um, in the conference, so we'll get to see that on Thursday night. They held Reeves the 13, 6 of 19 shooting, so pretty good job for the Sycamores. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, 6 of 19 is not good. Uh, but the fact that he shoots that way and they still almost win says a lot. That will be a fun matchup to watch. Even Freeman shooting three of twelve didn't do him any favors as well. So that was a quality game. Yeah, Valpo goes on the road uh, to play at a tough place in Springfield. Um, they did get Thomas Kithier back, and I guess I should have said that stuck out that he's feeling great. A uh, lot it shed, so that's a boost for Valpo down the stretch if things get him healthy. Um, but um, who we think the player of the year, Isaiah Moses, leads the way, 22 points. Um, they get a big uh, blowout win, 84-66. Yeah, you mentioned Kithier. Uh, it, it hit me to talk about that, but I knew he played in this game, so I knew we were going to get to him. Even Lodick said that he took a fall in this game that everybody kind of held their breath with, but he said that he was fine. Uh, but as we know, we've been talking, as soon as he gets healthy, they might take off, and they're a team you still don't want to play in the Valley as well. He did say Kithier and Cricky, you know, kind of dominated the game at this point. He he mentioned how good of an offensive team Missouri State is that, you know, he feel like his team played really well throughout this game, but they just played a lot better. So, yeah, the fact that Kobe 11 on 11 shots, 2 of 11 shooting for Kobe, that ain't going to help you out at all. Um, and then, yeah, Prem 15 and only four rebounds. Clay with 11 rebounds, he is. I think it was someone that said the biggest Swiss Army knife in the Valley is Donovan Clay, as we know. And 15 for Manette. He, he came to play, shot 12 threes, and then Black with 15 as well. There's, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I know it got out of hand a little bit, but um, having a guy that can sh- come out and shoot 12 threes off the bench and he can get five of them, um, wish we had that. Yeah, and I, I think Dana just gives these guys the freedom to play to that extent, and it obviously helps when you have two stars to lead the way on that. So, yeah, quality game there. Like I said, Valpo's a team you don't want to play. Yep, then uh, Drake goes on the road who we uh, and played uh, who we play tomorrow night, the Bradley Braves. Um, a tough Another tough loss for Drake. Um, Bradley stays hot. Um, they win eight of their last – their eighth win in their last ten outings. Uh, Rink Mass leads the way, 15.7 rebounds. Um, Mikey ha- Mikey House is um, the newcomer of the week in the Valley, 14 points for him. Uh, then uh, Terry Roberts adds in 11. So uh, um, big game for Tucker DeVries, had 20 and 7 for the Drake, but uh, not enough. No, it wasn't even. Terry did struggle in this game. We talked before the season how the tide turned with if he played what, or if he played bad, the team played bad. He can have a t- even a game like this, and they could still pull out even against a good team, which Drake is scuffling. You see how score. As soon as how starts getting going, you're almost through because of uh, that bench production is there. Then you're, you, then you're toast. Montgomery, uh, 
Brian was asked about him as well, about his ability to score. We know he's talented. We'll be looking forward to watching him. And then Tabanine, we'll know we'll hear his name a lot. Steve Fowler will be saying his name a lot tomorrow at 9. Cantwood, 4. Um, I think if they can have the quality uh, scoring off the bench, then you can uh, you know, start Jason Kent for his defense and his ability to kind of go uh, you know, spotless and scoring at times. So they will be tough. I can't wait to talk about them. Yeah, then the, the final game of the weekend was battle for first place. And uh, it was – um, it was close for about 10 minutes, then uh, Loyola got hot. Um, a blowout win over UNI, which uh, we know how we feel about UNI. 85-58 win for Loyola. Um, yeah, they just UNI just ran into a buzzsaw. I mean, Loyola hit 14 of 27 threes, and they were just shooting. They shot 64%. Um, so a uh, big-time game. Um, to make a statement, if you're Loyola, led the way by Lucas Williamson. Ugok added seven, 17, Chris Knight 12-9. and nine. So um, Tate Hall, I know they did talk about that. They got He got the start. Uh, there was no Marquise Kennedy in this game. Yeah, and he said uh, someone asked about Clemens only playing three minutes as well. So those key guards, but it doesn't matter if you're going to have a glue guy like Tate Hall coming in to do that job. Yeah, this is weird. No, I mean they only lose by. I mean they lose by twenty-seven points. I mean that's something when you're fighting for first. That was like a first versus last place final score. Um, we, you know, you and I as a team where we know we almost beat them twice. They're a team out of, especially with Bradley's surge and even Drake's, you know, kind of fun a little bit. You and I are still a team we'd rather play in the tournament. Uh, I'm not going to say they're total. They're not frauds, but you know they seem, you know, and they have some big wins. A lot of close games as well, but you shouldn't lose this way. We know Loyola's turning into form here. Um, but again, or you and I as a team, we want to play because something like this can happen. I mean, Noah Carter is not playing well right now. One of six, two points. AJ did his best, shot efficiently, only had 20, or had 20 points, didn't do a whole lot of else. So when you get games like that and you got guys like Pickford who don't do anything as well, that you're so beatable. And obviously with Bowen off the, Bowen Bowen off the bench is tough, but you and I as a team that we hope falls to the three seed. We'll put it that way. Yep. Then uh, looking ahead, um, before I jump into the standings and probabilities, um, tomorrow night we have Indiana State traveling to Springfield. Don't expect that to be close. You uh, and I uh, get to travel to Illinois State. That'll be interesting. Um, see how Illinois State responds with um, their coach being uh, fired um, this weekend. Then uh, on Wednesday you got. Evansville traveling to Drake. Don't expect that to be close. And um, w- what was close in the first matchup, Loyola travels to Valpo. That that could be interesting. Um, we know if Valpo is healthy, they can give people some fits. 100% even. Yeah, Missouri State and Dana was asked about Indiana State because he said they did not play well against them in the first matchup, which Indiana State won. Uh, so that'll, that'll be a good game as well. Yeah, you're right. Illinois State, it could be you know playing with some fire with this news. But since it's Loyola and their surge, and I do not see that game uh, being close at all. Um, Ryder, what, what was I looking at there? That's the matchup, right? What? The Illinois State and uh, Drake. You and I. Oh, yeah, yeah, you and, you and I. I. That'll be tough for them. They do host it, though, so anything can happen. Northern Iowa is shown a little fraudulent, as we just said. So that'll be an interesting game, along with ours. So, yeah, uh, standings update. Yeah, standings update. Loyola jumps to the one seed, which... Um, for us, that's what we want. We want them up there. Um, Missouri State is now the two. Northern Iowa is the three like we want it. Uh, Bradley jumps to the four. 
Drake falls to the five. Uh, we're at the six. Then uh, behind us, a three-way tie at four and nine, Valpo, Indiana State, Illinois State, then two and 11, Evansville. Um, jumping into the probabilities, um, we're now at a 91% um, for the sixth seed. I said um, on Friday, um, I believe that if we win these next two home games, that we will lock up the sixth seed. Um, we know we have a two-game lead on those two teams, and they play some tough matchups this week. So um, I think, I mean, unless we go on 0-4, I think we just need one more win the rest of the way to lock us up the sixth seed. Yeah, you're right. And uh, Bradley, you know, is attainable for tomorrow. We know we host Illinois State again. You're right. And the teams below us, they face a lot of tough matchups. So we would lock it up definitely with a Bradley win. That would be, well, one, a huge win overall. But uh, to solidify that, I mean, 91% is the biggest out of all out of all these. Loyola, 84 for the one. Those are the most surefire exact spots. Two Evans. through five will, will in Evansville yeah. at the 10 for sure. Um, but yeah, two through five and then seven through nine will be interesting because yeah, three, four, nine teams to battle for that seventh spot. We can't wait to watch those Thursday nights. Barring anything crazy happening in these final four, looking forward to that. Uh, so now, Noah, we we tough, we covered that. Let's get into uh, Javon Mamont's interview that happened. It was about 11 minutes that happened for the pregame. They definitely didn't play the whole thing, I'm sure, but uh, it was it was nice hearing Javon. We know he made that trip to see R.J. Taylor recently. He's we we thought uh, Pat Mon- or Monahan was definitely you know one of the lead recruiters. We seem like Javon is as well he discussed that along with uh two other freshmen did he yeah he did uh it's uh he was uh actually on this past road trip um uh he hadn't been in in carbondale since that day he was talking um to rodney watson so um he's been on the road a lot that's how they started it rodney asked how long how many days has he been on the road and he said he hadn't been in carbondale um for at least a week now um he's been uh they asked uh he asked what qualities um, do they look in the prospect. We obviously know um, what Brian likes there. Um, then they then they jumped in if he was what he was priority right now. He said, or he asked how far out is he recruiting. He said he's fo- starting to focus in on some 2023s. Um, we know R.J. Taylor is one of those, and uh, he's looking at other guys. And some guys they haven't looked at at all yet. Um, we know high school season starting to wrap up, so – um, he's been busy, and I'm sure some other coaches have been busy as well. Um, but the, dig into the part we probably want to discuss the most is he was asked about um, the the uh, how Scotty Abube and Foster Wonders have been getting better each and every day. Talked about their work ethic, and uh, you want to jump into that? Uh, yeah, he, he said stuff that uh, you know that Brian and them said before. They are working hard for sure, just here and there, and in Scotty. Uh, you know, obviously in the workouts that he's getting going, you know, physically. And he and, and Javon said, and it's something that we know is that, you know, he uh, fosters a knockdown shooter, a great shooter um, that we'll be looking forward to seeing as time goes on. So pretty much the stuff that, um, that like I said, that we've heard that they're working hard and they're, and they're bought in 100% that they're going to be impact guys next year. That's pretty much what he said. He said, Scotty could be, you know, athletically and just in general, that he could be an instant impact guy, bigger of all. And that's what we want to see. That's what we want to hear as well. Uh, we would like to see them work hard in practice. I wish we could go into a practice and see them, um, you know, make an impact in that regard. 
But Noah, back to the 2023, he is in on them. We've talked how 2022 maybe get in on you know somebody else potentially in general, but definitely in the transfer portal. So I, that's why they're focused on 23. They have K. They know if anything else pops up, let it happen. But that means they'll be in on the portal, hopefully, which is what would confirm that. So all that's a wait and see. It's good to hear from Javon. Um, we know that uh, doesn't he? He stays over in Cordoba, right? A lot of the coaches and a lot of uh, people on, on both football, basketball, every sport, they're staying over in Cordoba. So uh, I guess they got some kind of thing worked out there. But yeah, great to hear from Javon for sure. Uh, Noah here. I got some a, a couple topics here. Something that we've been mentioning lately. Um, we recall Brian, uh, what was it, the pregame before the Evansville game, he talked about, because everyone's talking about, obviously, we score 60, we allow 60, we should be more wins. And he mentioned the 07 team, the great 07 team that uh, scored 61 and allowed 57. So around the same thing, and we were thinking how enormously different in terms of success and everything that that team was to anywhere in the same stratosphere as this team. We were thinking of if those two teams played, what would happen? and thinking about the potential matchups. And I can just picture a Jamal Tatum and Lance Jones matchup that that would just absolutely be fun to watch. I think, you know, Jamal would have the upper hand. That seems like that there would be the upper hand on all the positions the 07 team would have on this one. Yeah, and I don't think it would be close in my opinion. The way that 07 team played, um, they were a bunch of dogs. I mean, I mean – if uh if Mark if Marcus and Lance are struggling against some of the competition we're watching now, then they're not they're not doing much against those guys. No, and we know Brian Brian's defense, Wesley Clemens defense, uh those guys aren't allowing even Steven. Uh, defensively, you know, even our great defense, we couldn't stop we couldn't stop Tony Young just pulling up from three all the time. We couldn't stop that stuff. And Randall, even JD, Randall would get about ten free throws in that game because JD wouldn't be able to stop and it would be a blowout. Uh, it's just funny because how great that team was. They would give us fits. We said, oh, who's guard Marcus? I bet Brian. Brian could guard Marcus pretty well on that team. We know Wesley, uh, Green, all the Matt Shaw would give Marcus absolute fits as well. Uh, it's just a match of nightmare. Boyle with uh, Kyler off the bench. That'd be something I would pay to see that. Uh, but it, it's just a fun thing to talk about because along with the teams kind of have the same identity, not the – I mean, star power with Randall and Jamal and Matt, you know, the third fiddle, you know, we kind of want our own big three now, but it's still not the same, the impact those guys had. They would probably blow us out uh, for sure. It's just when he when he mentioned that, it's like, man, don't even compare the two teams. Uh, that's the best team in school history. But it's funny. Uh, we had that, Noah, and then let's talk about uh, something that we said. If, if this team had, like, an Armand Fletcher, for example, for cash and vice versa, some other spots, especially the later Barry teams, maybe even that last one. Let's talk about some players from that team. Let's only put three players from that team that we that we could add to this team. Um, I think two of them should be surefire ones. I'm trying to think of that third one. Uh, what do you think? Like um, Armand, Kavion, Pippen, or yeah. like a JD or something. Yeah, that'd be a Marcus. Presence. We talked about Marcus Bartley, his size and his shooting. Um, even thinking about if healthy, a six man of the year in the Valley, Tyler Smith, Peter shooting, um, just like that guy. But yeah, I mean, Armand would obviously he'd be, um, he'd take so much pressure off Lance and Marcus. If you added a guy like that to this team. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a game changer. Um, even think, uh, 
you see the you see what Aaron Cook could do. You see what Dalton Banks is doing with moving Lance off the ball. If we had Aaron Cook um, a couple more years, it'd be interesting. That's what I was about to say, and I think Aaron would have been that third guy. Aaron Cook, Kevion Pippen, and Armand Fletcher for that starting five would be interesting because we we know it, it'd be nice having a, another post presence. It'd be interesting to see what Prim would do against Kevion because Prim's the you know the utmost best in the conference in the paint. And Kevion's defense and scoring is would be exactly what we would need. That team could be definitely top three in the Valley right now. It'd be interesting. And Armani ain't scared to shoot. And we know Cash has become a good shooter. Armani was an all-around great player. Be a perfect guy to add next to Lance and Marcus. So some fun little topics there of uh, what we wish. <laughs> and we wouldn't wish that 07 team upon this team in terms of, obviously, matchups and just comparing them in general. So some fun stuff there. Now, no, let's get into the Bradley Braves, who are hot. What have they won? Seven of the last eight games or something? Eight of their last ten. They are absolutely on fire. We're getting them at the perfect time, I would say. Let's get into them. Yeah, to remind everybody um, what happened last time uh, when we went up there was a 70-62 loss. Rick Mass led the way for them, 20 points. Uh, Lance got 19 for us. Him and Terry Roberts went back and forth a little bit. Um, but like like you said, this is a this is a hot team. Uh, we all know who we all know who they are now. They got some newcomers um, to watch out for. Terry Roberts, um, he's averaging 15 a game, five rebounds and four assists, and uh, second in the league, right behind Lance Jones and steals. Um, we know Rink Massis gave us fits um, ever since he joined this league. 11 points, eight rebounds. Um, he can stretch the floor. Um, Former JUCO Player of the Year, Malavi Leons, I believe that's how Brian Warner pronounced it. Um, averaging 10 and 6. I mean, he's averaging 1.2 blocks in top. I think he's second in the league in blocks. Um, and they've had guys step up along the way. We know uh, Zeke Montgomery, um, a freshman who had no offers. They just had a guy that reached out to him and just say, hey, trust me, this kid can play. Um, that's what Brian Wardle has on the staff. They had guys that can reach out like that. Um but yeah, this team is hot. I mean, this this team, if if they get past us, um, that means they've won nine out of eleven. Then they get Illinois State. Then they have to win, go to a tough one at Missouri State. But then they finish at home against Valpo. Um, you're talking maybe top three finish if they get past us. Hundred percent. And we've said that if you know if it came down to you and I and Bradley wanting them over the others. We talked about that a while, but, you know, if Bradley made that surge, we would sacrifice our game against them so they can win and get to that spot where we don't want to play them. Uh, but, yeah, that easy matchup after that, the easy matchups uh, favor them in that regard. That is interesting. But um, the fact that it seems like Terry, we know he got hurt and he played the next game. I mean, no one else has more points. A lot of these guys have 26 games. He's averaging 29 minutes. Those 15 points, five for two steals, as you said, one of the tops. Even a block a game. He is averaging three turnovers a game. I'm sure that's one of the tops as well. You get him kind of uh, bewildered and kind of like off his game a little bit is interesting. You you said him and Lance going at it. They were both played really well against one another. The thing is with Terry is he's shooting 68% from the free throw line. I'm not going to say Fallon to get him to the three point to the free throw line, but. That's something I think that's the game. You, you got to get him to turn it over and maybe shoot free throws. I think he missed a couple when we were there. Um, but even his free throw percentage doesn't touch Lance's. I think Lance's is 58%. So I'm um, looking forward to that matchup. Yeah, Mass, we recall Kyler earlier. 
been playing well. It's him and Mass always give each other fits offensively. Mass more because he can shoot, and he does a little obviously a lot more than Kyler, a better player. Um, but you know sometimes he struggles guarding Kyler in the paint. So hopefully we see a lot of Kyler. Even seeing Jay, uh, Henry on this, 11 games, 10 point. I mean, he's he's a killer of ours. We know he's slowly but surely working his way back, right? We could see him at the end of the year. Correct. And you mentioned Myla by Leon's 10 and 6. It's crazy. He's been showing out for them. He will be a matchup nightmare for us. Could be for Marcus. We know the, the matchup that was at the Car- at Carver Arena. But if he's getting going, that already, especially from rebounding, uh, that could give us fits, and that's the biggest thing going in against a Bradley team is if you can rebound against them. We did against them on the last one. We out-rebounded them. Top of nine, and we said earlier, get used to hearing his name a lot. He's going to score a lot tomorrow. Jason Kent's interesting. If you get him to not score, he's almost a non-impact guy. And then Boy off the bench, no. We said maybe you can go with the starting lineup change. Have Kyler against Mast, and then maybe have a JD against Boy off the bench maybe. Yeah, and it would uh, even though JD has kicked us off games, getting us going on the offensive end. Um, I thought um, Kyler and Mass could match each other a little bit offensively, uh, give that extra boost offensively, start games or something. Um, but yeah, it'd be a good matchup. Boyan, he plays little and see JD off the bench. Uh, not sure how much he would play off the bench, but yeah, this is a um, a battle of the best. Offensive rebounding team in the conference, and Bradley, and the best defensive rebounding team in us, and uh, they had the best rebound. We got rebound on the first time somehow, but they had the best rebounding margin, uh, plus seven in the conference. Uh, the next Missouri State's second with only a plus three. So four rebounds um, is their lead. It's it's they they have the length, they have the talent. Um, we know they got the coach. We've seen what he's done. He's becoming a master at making fitting together rosters and getting talent like this. But, yeah, it's a, it's going to be a tough game. Um, I can see where if if we come out flat, this game can get ugly real fast. Um, I don't know what what kind of what kind of crowd we'll have. I know it was 4,500 announced the other night. Uh, we still lead the league in a crowd in attendance. So um, if we can get a decent crowd in there, get the dog pound going on a Tuesday night, to maybe help us out a little bit because uh, this could uh, either continue, they they continue hot and they go on their quest for uh, top three, uh, maybe even top two. I mean, there's there's a there's a way if they uh, went out and get some help, they could win the Valley still. They're only two games back. I mean, something crazy could happen, but uh, we need this win. It's it's one of those Brian Mullins things. Do you win, need this win or do you want this win? We need this win to get – um, so minimum going because we want to play our best ball going into March, um, but we've we've yet to see it. Yeah, I know we've said that. What if we actually had our best forty minute game against a team like this, as hot as they are? With Terry, I mean Brian said Terry's not even practicing, you know. So that's where uh, Zeke. I think it's Zach. I'm it's Zeke. It's Zeke. Z E K. But that's where he said that he's been showing out practice in regards to Terry and even Mikey Howe. If he's dropping 14, that guy you got to watch out for as well. Yeah, I mean, beating a team like this to get your first top five win against a team like that, outside of maybe the Drake, you know, at Drake at the end, going in would be huge top five, uh, first top five win. So, yeah, they're, uh, they're just at the right. I think depth is the biggest thing with them. If they can have a Montgomery coming out of nowhere and get contributions – 
I think that's where the most dangerous and keeping them off the boards will be the biggest thing. They score 72 a game. They allow 65. We score 63. Um, NRC, we're still top 20 in the country and points allow around 61. They shoot about 45%, us 44. Rebounds, yes. They rebound us on average by eight per game, which is something honestly crazy. Assists, we're spot on about, eh, about 14 to 12. They have the advantage. Blocks, Five a game for them, about exactly two for us. Steals, they have about one more per game than us. You know, Terry's all over the place, and Lance pretty much just leads us in steals. They are on a three-game winning streak. <clears throat> I don't have a spread or anything at all. They are on the road, uh, but they're they're 15 and 11 overall, 16 and nine against the spread. So they've been good in that regard all year. Brian Worrell even said, you know, their non-con has put them in a weird position because he mentioned. Bids for the Valley, maybe. He's not focused on that. He, he reiterated again that the preseason rankings don't matter because he said that's kind of been sh- – he was asked about – or somebody mentioned how shuffled that is, and he said that doesn't matter again. Um, so a lot of stuff there, but the fact that – what do you think? I think it'll be probably – they could be like four or five or six-point favorites probably, <clears throat> even on the road. Uh, I could see something like that. And the over-under probably you know around the – 130 I have an over/under, but do not have a spread. Over/under is 123 and a half, um, so I would take the over in that. Um, but yeah, I'd say it could be almost a um, almost a pick 'em with us at home. But I think um, we kind of like this matchup a little bit. We've seen Vegas has gave us some surprising spreads at when we are at home, so I'd say it's close to maybe. Um, Maybe a pick them almost, but they could be maybe one or two point favorites. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd probably max it out at three or three and a half or so, probably. Seems about right. Yeah, they are they are hot, but um, and they're like I said, decent against the spread, decent road team, I would imagine. So it'll be interesting. Uh, quickly, because I just saw the stat that Mike had a couple days ago about where Lance and Marcus stand stats wise. Marcus is 7th in career free throw percentage at 83%. He is 10th in career assist average, 3.16. is tied for 15th with Kai Nurnberger and Mike Rodriguez in assist average, which is at 4. He is 16th in assist to turnover, assist to turnover ratio uh, in a season, around 2. And then Lance, he is number 6 in season steals average, just over 2, as we know. Number 8 in career steals average. Tied for 17th with our high school coach, Shane Hawkins, and Josh Cross, uh, related to Chris Cross and career steals at 215. So both those guys doing, if they're not scoring every time, at least they're doing what you know what they know they're doing good at this year consistently. Um, and then Noah had a couple uh, quotes here from Brian. He talked about Bradley in the, uh, in the presser today mentioning their length, obviously. He said, Bradley's defense has really improved over the course of the Valley season. They have great length. They're very organized and disciplined on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, they have multiple guys that step up on different nights and beat you. Their depth has really helped them. They beat us the first time at their place, and our guys are looking forward to the opportunity Tuesday night. Um, yeah, and you mentioned the crowd. Hopefully the crowd does show out. Uh, if we're thinking about early dogs, Noah, I'm I'm going to take Lance because I noticed before this that he is 20 points away from 1,000. I think he could get that in this game. He was pretty good, efficient, really. Like I think we said either last pod or a couple pods ago, that's when Lance kind of got going in his little efficient stretch outside of Missouri State game. 
Uh, that was the game. He, he was matching Terry Roberts and playing pretty well. I can see that happening again. I'm going to go with Lance 20 or more to get that 1,000 point. Yeah, that is a uh, – we need uh, one of our two stars to get going, and Lance would be a good – good. Um, I got to go – I got to go with Marcus Damas. I mean, um, he is struggling. He's got to get out of this little funk he's been in the last couple games. Um, we got to have one of those twos get going unless uh, – um, this game could get ugly because um, we got to have some offense. And uh, those two guys, um, we're not playing Evansville where we can get away with 27 bench points and win a game. So it's got to be one of those two guys. I feel like it's always got to be one of those guys for sure. Uh, this is the Coach Kill Cancer Fund game, SIH Cancer Institute expansion for the blackout cancer game tomorrow night. Uh, winning Jersey bidders, the 10-year total of money raised for the charitable event is over $400,000, and the funds have raised 17,000 local families to date, which is great. Uh, I'm pretty sure it wasn't the blackout game supposed to be Missouri State, but I'm pretty sure they pushed it back because nobody really showed up to that. I could be wrong on that, but I thought Missouri State was blackout. But yeah, and game-wise, it's going to be tough. We can stop their schneid here on their or the Schneid for us win this against the top teams and then cut their winning streak. That would be the utmost momentum swing. We've talked about it. Every time we beat a bad team, we face a good team. It really doesn't ever boil in our favor, even though the opportunities have been there. So if the windows can stay open or crack just a little bit throughout this game, that we would have a chance, even though finishing games can be tough for us. Noah, final thoughts. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one. It's gonna be a dog fight. Like most of the Valley games are have been. We've um, everybody continues so many overtime games. Um, maybe we get an overtime game finally, but um, yeah, it's 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 an opportunity, like we said, to gain momentum, to get show us um, we can continue to get better going um, down this stretch um, to start playing our best basketball. Because if we want to try to make a run in St. Louis, um, it's it's got to start now. I think uh, get on a win streak. Um, to gain momentum going into Saturday on the road um, at uh, Indiana State. But we do have the dog pound um, going up there again, so maybe the dog pound can show out tomorrow night, get a big win, and head up there. And uh, speaking of the dog pound, I did want to mention before I jump off here, um, we did retweet it. It's on our timeline, and it's on um, Saluki Insider's Twitter Um there is a uh, GoFundMe account to send the dog pound to St. Louis. I think that's important. If we can get the dog pound up there, um, we've seen they travel to Illinois State, and we've seen what they do at home. So um, they impact this team just like the other fans do. So um, let's come out tomorrow night because we need this win. Yeah, and we recall the seats behind the band that the students sit at. That would be great to have an Arch Madness. We know the fan base overall will show up, uh, but we know like Loyola's fans with those scarves show out. Um, and we were when Murray and Belmont, which by the way, Murray's still in the top 25, their 21st. Belmont, I think, is on the next four out of Joe Lenardi's bracketology. Um, so they're there, but their fan bases will show out next year. So it'll be nice. Loyola will come out in bunches, knowing that they could be the one seed and it could be their last year. Do you know where the A10s conference tournament is by chance? Uh, they'll show up in Groves there, maybe. I, I do not know off the top of my head. So it'll be. They will come out in groves. Yeah, getting it would be nice for the people to do that GoFundMe for them to show up. Um, it will be definitely much needed for this group. If we can get this win tomorrow, it's looking good. We talked about you got to beat the teams you're supposed to. So in between Drake and Bradley, um, you got to get those looking at the road game. 
against Drake looming before the stretch. And Brian, again, preaches all the time. You want to be playing your best ball going into St. Louis. Hopefully that's what we can do starting tomorrow. Looking forward to it. 7 o'clock start. See everybody there. I'm Nick Malone. No alert. Until next time. Go dogs.